This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. I want to give enough time at the end of this message to invite people up. And if you, if you want to come up, we're going to pray with you. We're going to pray for you. I believe God is going to do something special here tonight. Amen? Anybody say amen? When you say amen, it just means I agree. It just it, it means let it be, let it be. So uh, we're going to go to Mark chapter 14 and verse 3. Mark chapter 14 and verse 3. And we'll put it up on the screen for you. And uh, this is a, a real kind of familiar passage to many. It's a story that takes place actually just uh, right before the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And it says this in Mark 14 and 3. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Verse 4. Some of those present were saying uh, with indignity to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. They rebuked her harshly. Next verse. Uh, I think we skipped one. Sorry, Brother Austin. I think we... It could have been sold for more than a year's wages, the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Sorry, my, my bad. Next verse. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on his body beforehand to prepare for my burial. That's an interesting... Let's go back real quick. That's a very important statement there. She she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial next verse truly I tell you wherever the gospel is preached throughout the whole world what she has done will also be told in memory of her then Judas Iscariot one of the twelve went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them Heavenly Father tonight we open our hearts our minds our spirits to your word I pray the living word uh, would teach and minister your written word Give us wisdom and revelation according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody, would you say amen? Amen. All right. So uh, everybody doing good tonight? All right. Mr. Soundman, sorry, we weren't looking. uh, I have a little bit of a ring up here, so you can turn my monitors all the way down. We got our sound adjusted. We've had some complications. We had three, four speakers blow several weeks ago. So we put up these other speakers on the side, and it's been a fun wild ride and so we had a technician they have actual technicians that come in and fix the sound so uh we'll we'll see how it all works out so thank you for your patience if your ears were destroyed in the last couple weeks we apologize we really do apologize so um has anybody ever misinterpreted a moment like a moment you just miss you misinterpreted a moment Uh, and if you and if you do this uh again you can 
you misinterpret a, a, a moment, then what can end up happening is you can react wrong in the moment because you misinterpreted the moment. You misinterpreted the moment, so you react wrong in the moment. This is a classic case of a misinterpretation of a moment. You know, serving God, living for God is about these moments that God gives you. And when you look at great men of God and you look at great patriarchs in the scripture, you look at these, these amazing women of faith and men of faith, there were these moments. Life was not always filled with roses and it wasn't always filled with just, just bliss all the time. But there were these moments where they had to recognize God's up to something. For instance, you have Jacob who is laying his head on the ground. He's got a hard rock as a pillow. That's his pillow. Does anybody, uh, would anybody like that? I'm not a big uh, fan of sleeping on the ground. That's why I don't like camping, so on and so forth. But his pillow was a rock. Very uncomfortable, very uh, out of the box for even him. He was in an in uncomfortable place, and yet he was able to be awakened to a moment, not realizing that this was Bethel, the house of the Lord, a place where the angels of God were ascending and descending, and he was able in a moment to seize a moment, and there was a change not only in him, but in that locale, in that place, taking a moment, seizing a moment, realizing that there will be moments in your life where God opens a door, opens in the Spirit, an effectual, fervent door that wasn't there and maybe won't be there, but you have to be able to sense an opportunity when it comes in the Spirit. In fact, the Bible says this very important statement. If you don't get anything else, get this. The Bible says that Jesus opens the door. No one could open it, and nobody can close it when it's open. God opens doors for us to walk through. He opens doors for us to walk through. And, and sometimes those doors are open in moments. And if you miss a moment, you can miss a season. If you miss a season in the Lord, you can, you can miss a calling and a, and a place in God that God has for you. So it's so important to, to, to seize the moment, to understand these moments when God's presence is drawing us in and calling us in. Life is, life is not measured by minutes. It's measured by these moments. And I'm telling you, my life has been wired, engineered, and framed by not the minutes that I've lived, but the moments that have impacted my life through community, through the Holy Spirit, whether it's through uh, a dialogue and encouragement, whatever it is, maybe it's through a worship song, maybe it was through a sermon, but it shifted, it changed the trajectory of my life, a moment that literally, thank God, God was able to open my eyes to that moment, take that moment, run with that moment, and I believe there's people here tonight, there's a, tonight for you is a moment, it's one of those moments that if you can see what's happening beyond the curtain of the natural and see beyond and understand Something powerful is happening in your life in this moment. The people at the table with Jesus, the people at the table with Jesus, they were oblivious to the moment. They were oblivious that Jesus was in the house and that divine destiny was meeting Jesus. That this woman had not just come on her own volition. Yes, she came on her own will. She was not forced to come on her own will, but she came not, not just on her 
own volition, but by divine providence, God put this thing together because Jesus need a, he needed an anointing on his body. Why? Because when he was buried, they would come on, on, on the, 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 the next day. They could not wash him. They could not cleanse him on the Sabbath. So they would come at a later time, Sunday morning, to, to anoint his body, to prepare his body, which should have been done but couldn't have been done because they can't do that ceremony on the Sabbath while Jesus was in the tomb resting, they get there and there's no body, there's no Jesus and, and, and so we could say, you know what Jesus did not fulfill the law, he was supposed to fulfill the law every jot and tittle, but he did, why? Because this woman come, came ahead of time and anointed his body so he could be buried and he could resurrect, still fulfilling the law, so there's a lot of pieces in this, a lot of players in this, and but what she was doing was aligning herself with a bigger purpose, and the people there did not see it. And one of the most frustrating things that can happen in your walk with God is when God opens a door, when a moment comes, and the people around you don't recognize it. And that's okay. It's going to happen. And sometimes you're the only one who senses it. Sometimes you're the only one feeling the shift. You're the only one feeling the change. You feel there's an open door. Now, not because you've been invited, not because the people in the room are saying, come on down, we're so glad you showed up. We're so glad you came here. Oh, you brought an alabaster box. This is so wonderful. This woman came with a gift. This, came, this woman came with a purpose. She came saying, I'm going to break this box. I'm going to pour it on him. She came with her mind made up. I'm going to get close to Jesus. She wasn't welcome. People didn't say, hooray, thank you for coming. They were looking at her with disdain. They were looking at her upset. Why would she come into this moment? Why would she come into this setting? And she wasn't invited. She wasn't part of the club. She wasn't part of the protocol. She wasn't, her gender also was uncouth for her to come into that setting and yet destiny was greater than the peer pressure around her and she pressed her way in and she was able to come in contact with a holy lord that was able to shift the room and destiny met her worship and something changed not only in him but it changed in her and it changed in that room and it changed so much that it was so it was so anointed in that room that it was the very tipping point for a man named Judas Iscariot who said I can't take it anymore more it actually accelerated the prop the process of Jesus being betrayed going to a cross dying for you and I it was all connected into this moment so many things happening and yet so many people oblivious to what was happening I don't want to be oblivious to what God is doing I want God to open my eyes to what he is doing I want to see I want to hear God what are you doing in our city God, what are you doing in our church? What are you doing in our county? See, when you are not connected to the big purpose, what happens is you get stuck in the details. You get stuck in all the little trivial things. You start looking and go, well, my goodness, why was this waste of ointment? Why this alabaster? This could have been sold. And you start calculating. We could have done so much with that. This could have done that. And she shouldn't have been here. And I can't believe they let this happen happen and all of a sudden you start nitpicking the details missing what God is doing in a moment and I just want to share this with this church God is doing something unique and special there's a new season coming to Sonoma County there's a an awakening coming and that awakening requires us to be highly aware 
of what Jesus is doing. When we look at the scripture, when we look at the scripture, everybody was there around the table, but nobody connected with Jesus the way she did. Nobody connected with Jesus the way she did. They were there, just like the lady with the issue of blood. Many people are touching you, but there was one who really touched me. You can be there. You can be in the moment and miss it. You can be in the moment in the sensation of the music and, and, and that Jesus is in the house, but not really connect with the purpose. So we want to be connected to purpose. We want to be connected to will. We want to be connected to the thoughts of God. What is Jesus thinking? Not about what you're thinking, not about what my neighbor at the table is thinking. What is Jesus thinking in this moment? God, help me to see what Jesus sees. Help me to see the one like Jesus sees the one. We come to church and we see our friends and we see this and we see that, but who sees the one in the corner who's broken and comes to, comes to church wounded, comes to church with that one prayer, this may be my last time, I'm going to try this. I've had church wounds, I've had this happen, and, and, and sometimes it's easy to be oblivious because we're going, Jesus is here, not realizing that Jesus sees the one. He left the 99 and went for the one, so we have to be keenly aware of what Jesus sees in the house. The next interesting point that, that I just want to pull out, and there's so much in here. There's so much in here. I want to pull out this, this very simple concept that when she began to worship him, at the beginning in verse 4 and 5, it begins to describe she pours the oil on his head. And as she pours the oil on his head, later in the passage, verse 9 and 10, Jesus said... She has anointed my body for the bearing. Yet the Bible doesn't say she had poured it on his body. It says she poured it on his head. And what is interesting to me is that when we worship, when we really put our worship where it belongs, guess what happens? Two things. Number one, we pour our worship on the headship of Christ. We worship him. We adore them. But it doesn't just bless the head. It blesses and pours down into the entire body. True worship blesses the church. True worshipers bless the church. There's enough sounding symbols. There's enough noise and cacophony in the church and in the churches. But the question is, is there a praise that gets to the head? Is there a worship that really gets to the head? A, a different kind of worship, a heartfelt worship, a worship that costs you something. That's the kind of worship that gets to the head and that's the kind of worship that drips down and blesses the body. There's some people who worship for the body. They worship for the body. They worship to be sick. They worship to make a noise. They worship to make a sound. They worship because if we can just make a commotion, everybody's lifting their hand, the music's just right, the key's just right. But at the end of the day, the only kind of worship that really blesses the body is the kind of worship that touches the head, the kind of worship that says, this costs me something. This comes out of a place of pain. This comes out of a place of brokenness. When we as individuals learn to worship, I'm talking about true worship. I'm not talking about saying the right things. I'm not talking about looking the right way. 
waving your hands a certain way. I'm talking about that your worship has value. She brought something of value. That's what worship means. It means worthyship. He is worthy of my best. He's worthy of my heart. He's worthy of my everything. This spikenard inside of the alabaster box, it was not cheap. In fact, the, there's very good odds that she did not purchase this. This is probably something that she inherited. This is probably, it's either something she inherited from her family or it's something that she got from her former husband. It's the only thing maybe she was able to keep in, in a very bad scenario. It's all she had. It was her identity. It was her heirloom. It was her investment. It was her 401k. It was everything she had, and she was willing to give him her very best. She said, this is going to cost me something. I, I, more than anything, I need to get into his presence. I need to make, I need to lavish my praise and worship upon him. And it cost her greatly. But the gains were way more than the cost. The gains of being in his presence. The gains when he says, whenever the gospel is preached, when you speak of the death, when you speak of the burial, when you speak of the anointing of the body in the burial and you speak of the resurrection I want you to make sure to tell her story I could not do this resurrection thing without this anointing I can't be who I've been called to be without this praise and worship, this anointing dripping all over me. What you don't realize is when you begin to really worship, when you lavish your praise and your worship on the Lord, it activates all the calling. It, all, it activates all the miracles. It activates the greatest environment that you can create. It's not just an environment of faith. Faith is the end product. It's an environment of worship because in an environment of worship, guess what is built? In the environment of worship, faith is built. And so whenever you lack faith, find worship. Whenever you lack hope, find worship. Begin to worship. Just begin to talk about how good he is and how great he is and begin to pour your worship. I want to remind someone here tonight, maybe your, your worship has become a little rusty. Maybe it's, it's easy. You, you found yourself back in a box. You found yourself back in, back in formalities and religiosity, and it's just structure. You come and you have it pre-programmed. But what if our worship went to the next level? What if it was about breaking the box? She didn't open the top. She didn't, she didn't twist the top off and, and pour a little bit out and hold a little back. The Bible says something interesting. It says she literally broke the box. She broke the box. She didn't hold anything back. She didn't hold anything back for herself. She gave everything to him. And whenever you break the box, you lose the control. You lose all of the control that you get to. It's on your terms. I'm not talking about going nuts. and, and, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a place where you can't control the tears anymore. I'm talking about a place where you're so connected with the presence of God. And I know some of you have been there. And I know some of you want to go back there. But you can't go there without a cost. You can't go there without a true worship. And if you and I will desire that place again, there's a place in the Lord, there's a place in the Lord where there is a healing, where there's an identity change, a woman who's been rejected, a woman of ill repute, a woman who has never been accepted in these ranks, and Jesus stops her enemies. And even though in some ways he never speaks to her, he begins to speak for her. He begins to speak to those who are fighting her. He doesn't 
have some dialogue, he, those who are attacking her, he begins to wage war with their philosophy, their theology, their psychology. He begins to change their way of thinking. He's breaking a paradigm. He begins to fight her battle. You see, when you step into true worship, you don't have to fight your battle. He fights your battle for you when you step into true worship. Now, again, I'm not talking about just gyrations and movements and sounds. I'm talking about something that comes from within. Because there's an alabaster box and there's a precious oil on the inside. And whenever you break the box, when you are broken, when you, your, 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 your person, your spirit, when you break yourself in God's presence, there's something in you that belongs on Him. There's something in you. There's a worship. You were built to be a worshiper. You were built for this. You were built to be in His presence. You were built to know Him in that intimate way. You were built. And nothing else will satisfy. And those who don't find that place, they go running from to and fro trying to find that thing and they get close but they'll never be able to be satisfied because where we belong is in his presence and what belongs on him in his presence is our deepest worship and our deepest praise. And this is what we call a breakthrough. Has anybody ever heard the, the, the term breakthrough? We have to have a breakthrough. Well, what does that mean? What does a breakthrough mean? It means I'm breaking through me. See, I'm my worst enemy. I'm the container that's keeping back the most holy praise. I'm the thing that needs to be broken in the presence of God. The Bible says this, a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, he will never despise. You know why? Because he rejects the pride, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, when you're broken in his presence, it's like a vacuum. It pulls you in deeper and deeper and deeper. All the symbols do and all that religiosity does, does is, it, it, is it glorifies the function and it doesn't glorify the Lord and it can glorify self. But when we humble ourselves, when we break ourselves, and it's unpredictable, a crack, in, a crack in, the, in the alabaster is unpredictable. You can't predict the crack. You can't predict how it's going to flow out. You can't predict how this praise and this worship, it may be with tears, it may be with, on my knees, it, it, it may be with a worship uh, hand wave, but, but I, I, there's something in me that belongs on him. There's something in me that he's put in me that I have to pour on him. And when I pour it on him, he's able to be my suffering Messiah. He's able to do what my soul needs him to do. Go to a cross. Die for me. Be my savior. And resurrect the third day. And it was all possible because a woman in her tragedy and in her pain gave her very, very best. And when you give your best to the Lord, you unlock all the treasures that are in Christ. When you give your best to the Lord, you unlock all the treasures that are in Christ. The best life 
is not a life that you can find through self-help books. It's a life that you find broken, broken pieces at his feet, broken pieces in his presence. But the oil of your life is pouring out on him. The oil of your life is pouring upon your Savior. That is true worship. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And we're going to enter into a a moment of worship. And I'm going to ask you today to take an inventory of what kind of worship and what kind of praise that we bring. What kind of worship and what kind of praise do I bring? What kind of worship, what kind of praise do I bring inside of you? You say, I haven't been taught this. You know what the scripture says? It's the one of the most interesting statements that Jesus makes. There's all of these, these crippled and broken and rejected by society. All of these people who, who don't have the reputation. They're not part of the upper echelon. They're not, they're, they're not in the, the know. They're not part of the who's who. They're, they're just the people that, that everybody forgets about. And Jesus just a week away from his death goes to the temple and for the first time ever the Bible says he's doing miracles finally the Lord of heaven and earth that said that is the tabernacle this is the temple of the Lord finally he comes and he begins to do miracles in the temple one time he did it one week before his death burial and resurrection the only time and all of these people who had never been able to step foot in this place who had never been able to give a sound of praise to God the way they wanted to begin to shout and begin to rejoice and begin to lavish their praise and honor and thankfulness upon Jesus and the Pharisees come and they say what is this noise and this is what Jesus says He says, don't you know the scripture that he has perfected praise from children? What? In my mind, to perfect something is when you do it over and over and over and over and over and over and you get better at it and get better at it. And Jesus says, nope, that's not the way it works. The best praise is the unrehearsed, unlearned new praise that comes from just sheer awe and wonder and amazement. He said, that is the best kind. It's not on your terms. It's on the terms of the flow of what is inside of you. It belongs on Him. It belongs to Him. And it belongs for Him. Your praise, your passion belongs to Him. Would you stand? He said, don't forget her. Don't forget her. Don't forget this nameless lady. Don't forgive this. Don't forget this, this, this outcast of society. Don't forget her. Don't forget how she broke herself and broke her gift in the most uncomfortable of situations. Because that is what activates the gospel. And 
that is what activates my power. True worship. True worship. So, would you lift your hands? Would you open your heart? For more information about who we are, we invite you to go to thepromisecenter.com. God bless you.